The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter, beginning with the first verse. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover of the festival of the Jews was near. And when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy enough bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months wages would not buy enough bread for them to even get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to all who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. But when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the most important questions we can ask as people of faith is, who am I? When some of us were invited to share our answer to that in a recent session on anti-racism, I said that I am a human creature who is made like all other human creatures in the image of God. Of course, I am many other things, including a sinner in need of forgiveness and grace. But I resonate with those who say that God's image is the deepest and truest part of who I am and who you are as a human creature. It may get covered up by layer upon layer of selfishness and fear and greed and mistrust but the spark of the divine is still, I believe, the essence of who we are as humans. That's the truth we confess in the opening lines of the affirmation of faith that we will be using again today in worship. When we say, with the whole church, we affirm that we are made in God's image, befriended by Christ, empowered by the Spirit. But what does that mean? really mean. According to John Philip Newell, it means that the wisdom of God is deep within us, deeper than the ignorance of what we have done or become. It means, he says, that the passion of God for what is just and what is right is deep within, deeper even than any apathy or participation in wrong that has crippled us. And above all, above all else, it means that love and the desire to give ourselves away to one another in love is at the heart of who we are, deeper 
than any fear or hatred that holds us hostage. The challenge we face, of course, is that the ungodly parts of who we are that we take in that are much closer to the surface are so often the ones that end up controlling what we think and say and do. And they are the parts of who we are that can be so easily manipulated by anyone who wants to use them to their own advantage. Just think for a moment about the way that our fear is tapped into by so many people who want to turn us against each other. Think how our greed is used to create and sustain a global economy where the gap between the rich and the poor grows every day. Or how our hatred is used to justify violence. Or how our apathy is used to extend actually the powerful forces of bigotry and sexism and racism. And think too about the ways that our fear of scarcity is used to set us against each other in so many instances. In light of all of this, it shouldn't be hard to see ourselves in the disciples who speak out in our gospel story today. A great crowd has gathered and Jesus sees right away that many of them have need of food. But before he addresses their need, Jesus decides to do a little check-in with his disciples to see how they are responding to the situation and what they have learned by being with him. Seeing the large crowd coming toward him, Jesus says to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all these people to eat? John says he did this to test Philip and I have to admit that it feels kind of like a setup and Philip falls right in. Out of his fear of scarcity, Philip says six months wages would not buy enough food for each of them to even get a little. When St. Mark tells the same story, he has the disciples saying, send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country, into villages, and buy for themselves something to eat. At least Andrew notices that there is one boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. But he says right away, I think what I would say, which is, what are they among so many people? For him, the possibility of abundance was unimaginable. But that isn't the way that Jesus saw the crowd. When he looked at them, I think Jesus saw through all of those layers of selfishness and fear and greed and whatever else might have, might have been there in any one of those people. And I think Jesus went beyond that to focus instead on the essence of who each of them were as God's image I think Jesus saw the spark of the divine, the spark of love within them, and the desire to give themselves away to one another in love at the heart of who they were. And then, unlike all of those who seem to see the worst and draw that out of us, I think Jesus chose instead 
to draw out the very best in the crowd that came to him. Over the years, my way of hearing this story has led me to imagine it happening in a way that mirrors what I see in other places where Jesus is active. It doesn't mean that Jesus couldn't have miraculously multiplied five loaves and two fish into a feast for thousands. With God's power within him, Jesus could heal all forms of illness and even raise people from the dead. And if God who created the cosmos and resurrected Jesus did that, God could also certainly through him cause the content of one child's lunchbox to become a feast for thousands. That would be no surprise even if it defies science or other things that we think kind of govern the way things work in the world. But I imagine this as a different kind of miracle in which thousands of people had their hearts opened and their generosity awakened to the point that they shared the precious food that some of them had with each other to the point where everyone was fed and to the point where they all experienced the joy of true community. What are the chances, for example, that all 5,000 people gathered on the mountain were just totally empty-handed? In my experience, there are almost always haves and have-nots in any group of that size. It's also hard to imagine that every single one of them would have left home without even a morsel of food for themselves, or at least for their children. Granted, a significant number of them may not have had the means to pack a lunch or even snack, but among 5,000 people, there had to be many others, I think, who would have had perhaps even more than enough. So how did it happen that all were fed? Well, here's what I like to imagine. I think the transforming love of Jesus and the generosity of a child who freely gave all that he had, that that started a kind of chain reaction that Jesus anticipated when he began distributing the food to those who were seated. I think Jesus knew that there was actually enough food in the crowd for everyone, just as God knows there is enough food in this world right now for everyone. And that generosity, such as that of that boy and of Jesus, was contagious. I think Jesus envisioned the possibility that people who had more than enough would say, if a child can do this, so can I. In the end, Jesus seems to be counting on the same truth that we will confess in the second part of that affirmation of faith that we use today. When we say, with the people everywhere, we affirm God's goodness at the heart of humanity, planted more deeply than all that is wrong. That is one of my favorite lines in all of the creeds that we confess together. God's goodness at the heart of humanity, planted more deeply than all that is wrong, is what I hold on to with all my heart. The last 16 months have made it clear that we human creatures still have a mighty struggle with the parts 
of who we are that are not from God. And as we have seen firsthand how harsh circumstances bring out the worst so often of those things in us. So the best we can do, I think, at this point, as we do at all points along the way, is to acknowledge those things, to name them openly, to recognize that they also are within us, and then to repent and to turn to the reconciling power of God. And by that, I mean the power of God in Jesus Christ that reconciles us not only with God and with our neighbor, but with our truest selves. The passion of God for what is just and what is right is deep within us. And the desire to give ourselves away to one another in love is at the heart of who we are. And that is what Jesus comes to reconcile within us, to connect us again with what is so deeply planted there. And it's in that truth that I believe that what Jesus saw in the crowd is still the same thing that God sees in you and in me. I believe that God sees the possibility in all of us of hearts being opened, of generosity being awakened to the point that we share all of God's bounty that we have received with each other in miraculous ways. I believe that God sees the goodness that is planted deep within our being and the holy passion for what is just and right. And sometimes one small expression of that from any one of us is all that God needs to transform a multitude of people. One generous child with one meager lunch began an outpouring of love that nourished at least 5,000 others. So who knows, the next miracle story may begin with any one of us. And for that I say, thanks be to God. Amen.